You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killey. I'm Zach. I am a pastor here at New Hope, and uh, I say good to be back because uh, me and Abby, for her birthday this week, uh, went to Las Vegas for like two days, which is way expensive, if you're not aware. Um, Like, really expensive. But uh, it was fun, and uh, two days is probably plenty. But we went and we kind of walked around and just saw the sights, and then we went to see Penn & Teller because I've always wanted to see Penn & Teller, and they've been doing it for 50 years, so I thought it was time, you know what I mean? Uh, And great show, I'd totally see it again, but while I was sitting there, I was reminded of a a video that Penn Jillette did like 12 years ago, and many of you have probably seen it, some of you probably haven't. But in the video, Penn starts talking about an experience he had with one of the guests at the show, and this guy... Um, comes up to him after the show, and Penn notices that the guy had been there the day before, at the, at the show the day before, because he had invited him on stage to be part of a trick. And the guy walks up to him and starts telling him, hey, your guys' show was awesome, you know, just super nice. And Penn just goes on and on about how kind this man was and all these kind words he had to say. And he said, and then he gave me a Gideon Bible. And he said, and the guy looked at me and said, I'm, I'm not crazy. I'm a, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm, I'm not like nuts. Just, I just wanted you to, to check this out. He's like, I, I just want you to know I, I care and I, I want you to look into this. And Penn said, you know, he said, I'm an atheist. He said, and you know, I don't believe in God. But he said, I've always truly believed that if you believe wholeheartedly that God is the way, the truth, and the life, you know, that like Jesus is it, that like you're going to hell if you don't believe in God. Why wouldn't you tell people that? Because I have no respect for people that say that they believe in God and believe people are going to hell, but then don't turn around and teach them about the Bible because they're afraid that it would make for an awkward social interaction. He said, now look, he said, I'm still an atheist. He said, but that was a good man. He said, that man was so good. He said, and we can disagree until we're blue in the face, but he said, that man cared about me, and I respected that man. That's where it starts. That's where it starts, right? And that's what I'm talking about today, is everyone deserves to hear the gospel. Everyone. And that's what this is all about. That's what we're all about here at New Hope. Now, two weeks ago, I might have been a little bit fire and brimstone, And I apologize, but we needed to hear it, right? So here's the deal. We haven't been great at it. We haven't been great at telling everybody about the gospel. And I don't mean New Hope. I mean the church in this part of the world especially has not been great at telling everybody about the gospel. But if we believe it, we should be telling everybody about the gospel, right? So we're going to be better. That's what's going to happen. We're going to do better. And here's how we're going to do it. Here's, here's kind of how our leadership here has been diving into what, what this looks like. How can we be better? What can we be doing? I've talked a little bit about something called Christ Together. Christ Together is an organization um, 
it's a big organization, but it happens in chunks. Like, for instance, here on the south side of Indy, we have 10 pastors that have come together from the better-known churches in the area. I won't say all of them, but most of the well-known churches in this area, or their pastors are on board. And we've been meeting together twice a month, and we've been talking. We've been praying one day a month, and then the other day is a planning day. That's what we've been doing. And what we're doing is we're trying to make sure that we can create a system that makes disciple makers. Randy used that term at the end of his sermon last week. Disciple makers. Make disciple makers. Why not just say make disciples? Disciple is a perfectly good term. It is a correct term. It is a biblical term. But it doesn't carry the emphasis that I think it does when you say the word disciple maker. When you say disciple maker, it implies that that's not the end. See, disciple is somebody that follows the teachings of Jesus. But to say I'm a disciple maker means I follow the teachings of Jesus and I go make other people that do the same thing. I teach this to other people. I reproduce this into the lives of the people around me. And so we want to be very intentional about that language here at New Hope and hopefully across the board with Christ together. Because you see, the thing about Christ together is this. The whole point of this is that when all of us churches come together and go, this is what we believe. This is, this is the Bible. These are the, these are the primary issues and we've got to stand firm on those that we can stand up here at New Hope and go, look, we want to be all about reaching the lost and bringing people to Christ. And somebody in here might go, I don't like that. And then they get up and they leave and they go to the next church and the next church goes, we believe in saving the lost and reaching people for Jesus. And they go, well, that's weird. And then they leave there and they go to the next one and they go on and on. And by about the fourth message being the same, they go, maybe this is just what Christianity is. And that's, what, that's the whole point of this. We're trying to stand together with our brothers and sisters in Christ to make disciple makers. So what's the goal? Here's the goal. Here's our 10-year goal. If you could put that slide up for me there, guys. We want one missionary in every neighborhood in 10 years. One missionary to every 100 people. One person looking at their neighborhood and going, I'm going to own this neighborhood. I am going to go and make sure everybody in this neighborhood knows about Jesus and knows that I know about Jesus and love Jesus. And even if they don't come to Jesus, I know that they at least know who he is because I've talked to him about him. We want to see people getting baptized in swimming pools. That'd be great. I'd love that. That would be awesome. But that's not all. We want to see 100,000 people in Indy come to hear the gospel, come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a big number, right? Except it isn't. It's not that many. It's really not that many people. And I'd like to read uh, this little passage out of Scripture for you here. It's Acts 19, 8 through 10. It goes like this. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall in Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. That's the NLT. We like the NLT because the NLT is easy to read for modern readers, right? 
But if you read the other translations, it says things like, and every Jew and Gentile throughout Asia heard the gospel. It's projected in that time that there were 8 to 15 million people in Asia. That's roughly 2 million Jews and, Gentiles, or Jews and Greeks. Let's say it's just 1 million. That's Indianapolis. Paul did it two years. Two years. We want to reach 100,000 in 10 years. I think it's doable. Here's how we're going to do it. Well, actually, first, here's how we're not going to do it. I want to talk about two animals, all right? Try to keep up with the weird little animal analogies. I promise they're helpful. Um, the first is a spider. And if I can pull that first image up here. Yeah, it looks kind of like a crop circle. Don't make fun of me. I made it in 10 minutes. But it proves the point. The way we've done things in the church for so long is you see that big bubble in the middle? That's the church. That's your local church. And so many of us for so long have been like, I just need to go out and I need to reach out to people and we need to get them back here to the church. And then the church will help them grow. We'll go tell people like, oh yeah, we got, we got the best youth group in town. You should come see our youth group. Oh my gosh, you'll love it. Oh, you'll love our pastor. He's a great pastor, great teacher. Really good, really good stuff. You'll love it. You should come see him. Or you should be part of this Bible study we got. This Bible study is awesome. But here's the problem with this model, guys. What happens when the Bible study isn't around any longer? What happens when the youth group isn't cool anymore? What happens when the pastor gets a different job? Or he isn't relevant anymore, so people don't care what he's saying, and he's kind of lost the shiny new effect. You cut the head off of the spider, and all the legs die. Do you see? We want to be like starfish. See, it's lame, but that's okay. <laughs> Do you know what happens if you cut the head off of a starfish? You get two starfish. That's what happens. You go to a reef, you got a problem, you got like an overpopulation of starfish, you don't cut them in half because you just doubled your problem. Do you see? And so what we want to do is this. We, go, we want to abide by the 169 principle. I'm sorry, 139 principle. That say you got one person. I'll be that person for, for, the, for this example. Say I go and I go find three people that need to know Jesus. And I pour myself into those three people. I go and I tell them everything I know about Jesus and I just want to help them grow and I just want to go alongside them and then I send them out and I say, each one of you guys, go find three people each. Just three people. That's all you got to be accountable for. Go just find three people and go pour what you know about Jesus. Just tell them the things I've told you and then tell them to do the same. It starts to multiply like this. And the cool thing about this model is you see, the three on the bottom left would always report to the guy on the middle left. And the guy on the middle left would always just report to me. There's no jump in the ladder to go make the guy at the top of the guy. The teaching pastor isn't the most important guy in the picture. Your discipler is. You're learning together. You're growing together. Sure, we all we, we get taught, we learn together. But y'all, here's what I want to happen with this church, is that you don't need me. 
And you don't need Randy, and you don't need Jason, and you don't need Bob, and that's cool. We've got job security because if you're doing your job and you're going getting more people, then we're still helping. And then they'll need us for some time, and then they won't. And then there'll be more people that'll need. You see what I'm saying? Is it's always growing. It's not all about one person at the top or a few people at the top. It's about everybody working together and growing the thing organically. And it multiplies like wildfire. So here's the thing. Like I said, you don't have to know everything. Think about it like this. If you're climbing a mountain and you got a line of people and you got one guy at the front of the, uh, at the, front of the pack, right? He's kind of guiding up the, up the hill. He finds his foothold. He finds his handhold, right? The guy three back, he can't see where the guy in the front just grabbed. But the guy right behind him can. And so the guy at the front of the line is looking at the guy right behind him and going, you grab here. You put your foot here. And when that guy gets in that same spot, he's turning to the guy behind him and going, you grab here. You put your foot here. You just have to be one step ahead of the person behind you. That's how we disciple people. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to be able to say what you know. That's it. And you have to teach them to reproduce that information into the three disciples that they go and that they take on. Y'all, you have me stand up here every other week and act like I have answers. I'm an idiot. I don't know anything. But I try to just be relevant for that week. I try to just know enough that we can all grow a step further that week. That's it. That's all we, any of us have to do. That's what we're doing together. If you look at this, if you, uh, if you look at this model, of the three disciples, let's say that that's just a year's time, that you go and you find three disciples, right? And you train them. And then that next year, if those three disciples each go and get their own three disciples, sorry, I'm saying disciple, disciple makers, see it's ingrained in all of us. They go make another three each, and so on, and so on, and so on. In five years, each individual in this room would be responsible for 729 disciple makers coming to Christ. Going out there, making disciples, disciple makers. There's 150 people in this room roughly today. That means that if this room today committed to this wholeheartedly, committed to this task and said, I'm going to go find three people that I can pour into and I'm going to teach them to do the same. If everyone in here did that and then the people that you taught did that and the people that they taught did that, in just five years, we would be able to reach 109,350 people. That's half of the time we've set for our 10-year goal on New Hope alone. If all 10 of the current pastors and their churches in Christ Together right now did it, that's Indy. That's Indianapolis. In five years, half the time we've set, it's totally doable. And that is assuming that we take a year to train these disciples. But we don't plan to do that. Six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, they're going out and they're spreading the gospel. 
Jesus did not train up his disciples to perfection before he had them telling people about, about Jesus, about the gospel. It was a quick turnaround. It wasn't immediate, but it was quick. You just need to know how to say what you've learned. That's it. All of us can tell somebody what we've learned. All of us can give away what we've received. This is doable. This could be done quicker than five years. Here's the thing. Everybody deserves to hear the gospel. We understand now that we're capable of that. We understand that that's possible, that that's doable. It makes sense on paper, right? But what's that going to look like in reality? What's that going to look like in application? Well, here's the deal. We're still working this out. We're still working out the kinks of this. We're working together. Like I said, we're meeting twice a month with the pastors in, in this side of Indy because we want to grow together, right? And so we want to have a plan together. And so we're going to tell you that as it comes about. But what I know is we can do some things right now, okay? We begin immediately. This starts today. This, this is the new mission. It has to be. We're going to hold each other accountable. And we're going to hold each other accountable to make disciples. And we're going to make that a regular part of our conversations with each other. We're going to have to check in with each other and say, how are you doing? We're going to celebrate each other's wins. We're going to celebrate this church's wins. We're going to say, you know, are, have you been reaching anybody new? What kind of conversations have you guys been having? Here's what me and my friends have been having the conversations on. Here's the growth we've been making. They've reached 15 new people. Can you believe that? Like, it's going to be amazing. But we have to hold each other accountable in that. We have to recognize that nobody is exempt. Doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. You have a group of people around you that someone else probably doesn't. That somebody else can't reach, but you can reach. And it doesn't matter if you think that you're incapable. You're not incapable. And Jesus expects all of us to be making disciples. And the truth is, for many of us, we've grown up our whole lives in the church, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 year old Christians, that we're still eating milk, we're still drinking milk, that we haven't poured into other people and we haven't reproduced disciples. And that was the command given to us by our Lord Jesus. We can do it. And everyone has to do it. No excuse is good enough. We're going to have classes a few times a year. We're going to have more formal trainings on what this looks like. We're going to talk about how to listen better. We're going to talk about how to overcome barriers with people in this. We're going to talk about the little intricacies. We're going to talk about who we are, what our purpose, are, our purpose is, what our identity is in this. We're going to be doing more with local church bodies to strengthen our brotherhood and recognize that new hope is one small part of Jesus' kingdom. It is a part of Jesus' kingdom, but it is just a small piece of Jesus' kingdom. And there are a lot of people in this, just this little piece of town, trying to do the same things we're doing, guys. And we'd be so much stronger if we worked together. So this coming month, the middle school and the high school, I talked to Andrea today, we're going to talk about this later. Um, there's a youth group opportunity with two other churches in the area. We're going to go on that together. Because we're brothers and sisters. It's not about each of our three little castles. It's about the kingdom, and we want to grow together. And then finally, I will statements. We want to talk about that. We want to talk about owning this and making a claim on this and saying, I will be part of this and I will make this happen.
But first, I want to read you this. Randy read this last week. We read this all the time because we need to. And that's the Great Commission. It's Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When, he saw, uh, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Randy reminded us that it says, and they doubted in Greek. They were afraid. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Guys, this is big and this is scary. And just like the disciples all those years ago, Doubted. There are doubts in your heads right now. There's doubts in the back of my head. There's doubts saying, you can't do that. You can't reach 100,000 people in 10 years. That's not true. We could reach them faster. We can do it. We have to see through the fog. We have to see through the trees to what's on the other side. We can do it. But it's going to take staking a claim on this and saying that we're going to be all about it. And so what I'm going to do here is maybe a little funky. But I like it, so I'm going to do it anyways. But I want you to stand up. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to respond with, I will. Only if you will. And I mean that deathly seriously. If you're not about this, do not say I will. We do not want commitments from half-hearted people. Jesus talks about being lukewarm. There's no time to be lukewarm right now. You're in or you're out, and I want you to own it either way. And don't feel bad either way, but seriously. This is not a new commissioning. This is the same commissioning that you accepted when you gave your life to Jesus. Think of it like a renewal of your vows. You're just reminding yourself what you've already said, what you've already believed in. But if you are for this, say, I will, after each of these statements. This is the first one. Will you bring three people to Christ, taking them alongside you to learn to be obedient followers and to make new disciple makers? Will you find two people in the church to hold you accountable and that you can hold accountable to this task? You can be louder than that if you want. It might be cooler. Will you continue growing in your obedience to God through prayer, the reading of scripture, and community with your brothers and sisters in Christ? See, that feels better. Jesus Christ is with you always, so don't be afraid. You are priests before God, and you are the hands and the feet that he has chosen to build his church. Will you recognize who you are and commit to this task? Here's what this means, guys. We're all on level ground. We're all standing side to side. Nobody's bigger than anybody else. Nobody's better than anybody else. We have a job to do. So let's get to work. That's what I want you to recognize today. 
Let's get to work. That's how we're going to build this kingdom. That's how it's going to grow, is it's us. We have to do it, and we can do it, and we can do it quickly if we just commit to the task and we commit to holding each other accountable. You got this. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.